Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad it's like the house that gives out raisins, or even worse, apples for trick-or-treat. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, and sometimes spooky, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking podcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is Halloween of uh, the year 2023. And on this week's episode uh, in Pipe Parts, we're going to start breaking down the types of cuts of tobacco, going back to that pipe smoking 101 revisited thing. So we'll talk about the cuts of tobacco. And then my guest is uh, Gray Van Kylenberg of uh, Van Kylenberg Pipes. I got to got to hang out again with Gray a little bit at the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Um, we'll talk about it in the interview a little bit, but uh, Gray did some carvings on a bass guitar and a uh, and a six string guitar. They're just incredible, and he's making some nice pipes too. Uh, and then we'll have uh, music for Halloween, mailbag, and uh, rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, and uh, as uh, as I'm recording this, well, as you do, as some of you are hearing this now at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night, Eastern Time, which is when the show comes out every week, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, I will be out front scaring uh, possibly kids, more than likely some teenagers, and boy, if I can get a get a couple of adults, yeah. And I'll uh, try to get uh, I'll try to get my wife to get some pictures and video that I can post on all my social medias. So if you're not following me on uh, social medias, uh, you should be on Facebook and Instagram. I'm there. Just follow me. So you'll see that um, I, I didn't do it last year because the weather was so bad. And then I got complaints all through the year that we hadn't that I hadn't done it. So. Uh, hopefully the weather holds out tonight. It's a little rainy right now as I'm recording, but, uh, yeah, should be scaring a bunch of kids and adults. And it's always fun for me. (laughs) Um, sometimes fun. And, uh, yes, I do. Uh, I do. I do uh, have a pipe out there with me while I'm, uh, while I'm doing that. Don't smoke around the kids, of course, because I don't want to really scare them with, you know, evil tobacco. But anyway, all right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, 
Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, Pipe Parts 101 Revisited. And this is going to be the first half of uh, the types of tobacco cuts. And when I'm talking about the types of cuts, I mean, how does how is uh, the tobacco manufacturer, the pipe, uh, you know, the pipe tobacco factory, how are they uh, finishing the blend and delivering it to us? And so the first part that I'm going to go through is what I, you know, what I call the uh, the ready to smokes. And these are the ones that need no manipulation. You just pack it and go. All right. Um, now, when when tobacco, so the so when the when the tobacco factory is producing the blend, they have an idea of how it's going to end up. All right. So if it's going to end up in a flake, it's going to use different components than if it's going to end up being uh, being a ready rubbed or a ready to be smoked blend. So they start with the idea and then they start with the processing. Now, oftentimes on these ready to be smoked blends, they will be pressed into a cake and, uh, you know, have some pressure and some time applied to them. And then that cake will go through a process called that's called being spun out. And the spinning out of it is uh, using heat and steam to loosen up that cake and break up the tobaccos. So they go through this process of creating the cake first so that the flavors marry together and the blend is a little more um, harmonious. And then they go through a secondary process of spinning it out and getting it all loose. And they try to, as best they can, break up all those clumps. Now, some loose tobaccos are not cake pressed, and it's sometimes hard to tell if they've been cake pressed or not. But in most cases, if you find uh, small chunks of tobacco, you know, small little little flake clumps in there, well, odds are it's been uh, at that point. Odds are it's been cake pressed before it was spun out. Uh, so let's talk about the basics. All right. Um, and, and I want you to imagine the, uh, you know, a, a leaf of tobacco is just like a, uh, it's shaped like a, uh, like a, you know, like the, uh, like a spade or, you know, like the ace of spades, the, it's got two halves to it, center stem going up the middle. That big center stem is taken out all the way up to, depending on the size of the leaf, it's taken up all the way up to like the last four inches or six inches. So that's de-stemmed. Now, if you're going to make a traditional ribbon cut, uh, you're gonna, they're going to trim off the edges of the leaf because you're not going to want any short pieces. So a ribbon cut is longer pieces, and it's more of the center of the leaf and less of the edge of the leaf. Uh, the ribbon cut is, in my mind, it's a little bit more of a premium cut because it requires... You know, less edge of leaf. You can't use as many small pieces, so you're losing some leaf in the processing, and uh, and it makes it a little bit easier for me personally to pack. Now, once you get out of the ribbon cut, then there's a cross cut, and you'll see cross cuts more often in uh, in aromatics, or more often in uh, more of the uh, I, I guess I like to call them the drugstore blends or the more popular 
popularly priced blends. Try saying that twice. Um, and that's because it uses more of the leaf because when you're cross-cutting it, you're looking at you know half-inch squares or variables of that, and you may just be taking that stem out of the middle of the leaf and thrashing both halves and cutting them into these squares. So you get more use of leaf, therefore less loss of leaf, therefore you know a, a lower cost per uh, a lower cost associated with the blend so you get those cross cuts and you know and and again leaf quality does matter at this point but with cross cuts if you're casing them and going to use them for some sort of an aromatic or you might actually mix some cross cut into some ribbon cut because the cross cut actually burns a little bit easier because you got four edges to it instead of one long stringy thing and uh, cross cuts a little bit easier to pack because you don't have to worry about the long ribbons hanging around. Uh, you do have to be careful with cross cuts that you don't, uh, you know, that you don't uh, overpack them because they can get very tight. Uh, a couple more oddities are, and this is what I like to call the Dutch Cavendish. If you think back to the old days of uh, of sale tobacco or amphora, it's kind of a clumped together tobacco. And that clumping will help it smoke slower and a little bit cooler. Uh, but it's it, it looks like there's long sections of flake, but it's really not meant to be broken up. So that's what I like to call a Dutch Cavendish style. Uh, more prominent in Europe than in the U.S. tobacco companies. Uh, and then the final one is, uh, is kind of like a cube cutting. And that's where you'll see a lot of the burleys. A cube cut burley is just a is just a bunch of burleys pressed together and then cut into really tiny little cubes. And that's kind of added into a blend to give it a little bit of color, give it a little bit of depth. Uh, it adds a little bit of weight to it because burley is less expensive than Virginia's. So it's another way that a tobacco company may um, imagine you're at a bar and they may ice or water down the drink a little bit to make the uh, to make the drink go a little bit further and they'll save a little bit of money. Uh, but cube cut burley, you'll also find a lot in some of those older blends in the sixties from the 1950s and 1960s, because it was kind of a sprinkle in pour and give one little push to it and light and smoke. So it was a little bit simpler blend. All right. So you got ribbon cut blends, you got cross cut blends, you got the, uh, you got the Cavendish or the Dutch Cavendish style. And then you've got cube cuts, and those are really kind of the uh, the four very basic different styles of cut loose tobaccos. And then in a future one, we'll talk about the uh, the uncut, unloose tobaccos. All right. So, okay. In just a moment, we'll have my conversation with uh, Gray Van Kylenberg. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. 
paid meal afford you. 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is someone who is more than just a pipe maker, more than just a pipe smoker. He's an artist. He's someone I got to meet uh, a year ago at the Las Vegas International Pipe Show and then got to see you again. So, Gray Van Kylenberg, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, and, and thank you. And did I pronounce the last name correctly? Perfect. Okay, because it's like 11 letters long, and I sometimes get lost in the middle somewhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to know you. Where did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Have you grown up? No. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I grew up in kind of mostly Grand Rapids and a little bit in Detroit. And uh, I wanted to be a, like a fine artist, but I also wanted to do... Uh, I wanted to design cars. That was a big thing for me. Um, I got into art because of cars, cartoons magazine. I don't know if you remember that Peterson used to make this. It was like mad magazine, but it was all cars. Yeah. And they had these George Trostley, how to draws in there. And, uh, I was a little kid, like three or four and I pitched a fit over one of my mom bought it for me and I just took it home and did that, how to draw over and over. So my mom immediately got me a subscription. And so I would do that over and over and that's what made me do art. Um, and then I, I wanted to go to like Kendall, go to an art college, but I ended up deciding not to do that. And uh, I wanted to pay for college. So I apprenticed the tattoo and then I did that for, I've been doing that and that's my day job for years and years. <laughs> so inking, inking people up. Yeah. That's one of the things I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, what else? <laughs> yeah. Have I grown up? No. No. <laughs> no, you're, you're pretty much still that kid playing with the car magazines, except now you're doing it on people's I, bodies. I think you noticed that the show, we're pretty much still, all the stuff I drew for the show is all the same. It's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you guys met in your matching, your matching Letterman's jackets. Yeah. 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 That went, that went fun. There was a, it was a great, I couldn't believe how good the people did on the embroidery. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, some of the embroidery skills now, well, the, you give them the file and the stuff just shows up. So yeah, they did great. So when did, when did pipe smoking come into your, come into your life? Uh, I decided to quit cigarettes and, uh, I started having a pipe here and there just to try it. And I kind of liked it. And then I went into the tinderbox on Wilshire, uh. um, and liked the place immediately and liked the people immediately. And they kind of, uh, they weren't very sure about me, I think, at first. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I got more into it and then I quit pipes or quit cigarettes. I mean, I quit mm -hmm. cigarettes completely, cold turkey. And then uh, I waited a little while and then I started to smoke a pipe again. And uh, there were a couple kit pipes in there. And I carved guitars and stuff forever. Yeah. I started off with like bronze and brass and iron. I did a bunch of machines and things like that carving. And so I thought, ah, I should try wood. So I did the guitars for a lot of years. And uh, eventually I was in the tinderbox and they had a couple kit pipes. So I did the, I took the, bought the last two kit pipes and took them home and carved them up and brought them back in. And then Mr. B was like, whoa. Uh, and he put me up with, uh, with Brian McNulty. Uh -huh. um, uh, if, uh, he was anima pipes. I don't know if he's still making pipes. I think he's kind of laid off of it. Um, but he 
took me over to his house and, and kind of showed me the fundamentals of, of the beginning of pipe making. And I did that. I did a few pipes with him and hung out with him a lot and uh, hanging out the tinderbox a lot. Eventually they started, Leo started letting me do repairs and cleanings. And okay. so I, the last few years of the tinderbox, I did repairs and cleanings and every once in a while I'd make a pipe and sell it through the shop. And then when the tinderbox closed, I kind of didn't, I, I didn't have a lathe and Brian wasn't really pipe making. And, and, um, so I, I kind of had this couple of years where I didn't do any pipe related stuff. I just did guitars and stuff and a little bit of pipe stuff, but I didn't have access to a lathe. So, uh, and then Johnny and I over the, over the quarantines started hanging out all the time, uh, at the, we were kind of our bubble, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was hit that couple and our couple and, and we, and, and so we would go to the, my place up North had a little garage workshop. And so we would start doing stuff in there and, uh, started on a guitar for him and started on, um, just we'd order some kit pipes because we didn't have a lathe yet. And so we, I was like, I'll show you how to make a pipe. We started making pipes and <laughs> it got, it got really fun. And then we started this workshop here down in LA and, and uh, we've been making pipes since then for, lo- for the last couple of years, pretty steady. Now I just want to go back and clarify that Tinder box. That's the original first Tinder box ever. It was historic and it was a really sad day when it closed finally. And it hurt my heart. It hurt my heart. Yeah. It was, it was very, very sad. I still have the clipping in a frame at my house and the, from the news from the Santa Monica, but it took us, I don't know, two or three weeks to clean that place out. It was amazing what was in there and the history. And I'm very lucky that I got to learn cleanings and stuff from those guys like Leo and, and, you know, Brian and Mr. B and, and learn a lot from Jimmy. And it, it was a very cool place to, to cut your teeth and to, and to meet a lot of really great people. Like met Rick Newcomb there and, yeah. um, just a ton of really great people there and that was a a, it stayed a pipe centric shop even during the cigar boom it had a relatively small humidor and always kind of stayed focused so you kind of got a master class right up front and personal from those guys yeah and then i would so sometimes if i would make a pipe there and mr b would go over it and he would tell me what he thought of it and that would change how i'd make the next thing you know I learned a lot from those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, did, did you automatically take to pipe smoking the, the final time and, and kind of get it figured out and yeah, yeah, it, it went pretty quick. Once I decided to do it, I just burned my tongue a few couple hundred times and <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked that. I liked that some days you can just be like, man, I don't feel like a pipe. And then you just don't. Like with cigarettes, there's none of that. There's no, I don't feel like a cigarette today. That doesn't happen. That yeah. doesn't happen. I mean, the way I was doing it, you know, I, I, <laughs> I was going through two lighters a day. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, I didn't want to, <laughs> there was no, like, I don't feel like it, you know? So, so you were the guy that was saying a pack a day. What do you mean? A carton a day? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not carton a day, probably a couple packs a day, you know, yeah. with this, you get to, you, you have to stop what you're doing a little bit. You have to sit down and, and be a person. And I mean, you can look at your phone and you can read a book, but you, you got to fiddle with it and you got to pay attention to what you're doing and you got to think to do it. And if you, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like you can't just slap a pipe and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something you got to do. Yeah. So, so you, but you like the deliberateness of the fact that you're selecting a tobacco, selecting the pipe that you're going to smoke, selecting the packing technique. Uh, yeah, 
and and the fact that it occupies both of your hands, so you really can't manipulate anything else too well. Uh, and my, my brain goes all the time. It's and this makes me just settle for a minute. I have to settle for a minute. You know. Are Are you able to smoke a pipe while you're doing uh, while you're doing tattoo work? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No smoking when you're doing tattoos. I don't really smoke very much while I pipe make. I puff and then I put it down and I work. Right. I'm not a clencher, so I'll I'll work a little bit and then I'll put it down and then I'll pick it up and have a pipe a little for a little twenty minutes and then I'll work some more. So so that's that's interesting. So with the with when you're creating, you can you can step back, puff on the pipe for a few minutes, look at what you're doing, maybe take maybe reevaluate what you're doing. I do a lot of that. Yeah. So um, I I tend to overthink stuff. I'll do a little bit of it and then I'll stare at it for you know more time than I worked on it. And then I'll do a little bit more. I'll find three or four things and I'll, I'll, I'll do those. And then I'll do a little bit more and I'll be like, wait, I need to back. And then I'll back away from it and stare at it again for a lot of time. And th that helps me to, with everything, with art, with everything I, I do, I do bursts and then I step back and then I do bursts and I step back. So we all saw the guitar at the, uh, the, the guitar and the bass that were at the, at the Vegas pipe show. And it's been, photographed numerous times and it's on instagram uh, any idea how many hours you have into that guitar the 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 uh mahogany guitar i couldn't tell you I, it i would say probably all my free time over i mean a lot of free time oh that wasn't spent on pipe making over the course of a year so i mean there's probably a solid month and a half of uh of like if I was full-time working a yeah. month and a half or something like that. Yeah. Cause I got a chance to see it up close and personal and just to see the detailed carving and the, and the little minute details that you did in, and the polishing that you did on the backside of some of the evacuated areas. Um, it was, it was quite pretty and I guarantee Thanks, you, I, I guarantee you if I picked it up and tried to play it, I would still play like shit, but boy, I'd look good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a, you probably would play it better than I do. I don't play very well, so I don't play at all, really. <laughs> well, you probably play by not playing at all. You probably sound better than I do. Um, on that note, we'll take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Gray. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age. What you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes. And you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with the artist that is known as uh, Gray Van Kylenberg. And uh, 
I, I'm, you know what? You're, it's a good thing you don't have to. When you stamp your pipes, you don't stamp them with your whole name, do you? Because you'd have. Yeah, to- no, I, I, I actually I didn't get a stamp for the show. I need to get a stamp, so I have like a little logo. And I was thinking about that. Do I want to put like a little circle of the net? It's too crazy. So yeah, it's, I think it's thirteen <laughs> letters. Yeah, with a space yeah. and two capital. Yeah, I'd like to buy a vowel, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So for you, pipe making is now it's, I mean, it's part of your artist repertoire and it's something that you want to do, but it's not your full-time thing. So you're able to have fun with it, right? Yeah. I, well, I'll keep doing it probably forever. Um, I, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm new enough to it that I can't really, you know, you can't, you can't let go of the side of the pool and just do that. You know, you yeah. got to hold on a side of the pool so you can pay your bills. Um, I do that and I do a little bit of voiceover and, um, and tattooing and, you know, whatever art I can sell in the interim, I, I do too. So you're living the typical Southern California lifestyle of having two or three things going on. Yeah. You got to do what you can. I mean, otherwise you can't do the Southern California pay your bills style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen some of your pipes and is it fair for me to say that some of your, uh, some of your artist styling is coming out and you're using some different colors and you know, not exactly just traditional billiards and bulldogs. Yeah. I, I am influenced by that stuff and I like the challenge of doing a lot of those are very challenging to do the, the traditional ones. So I like doing them a lot and they improve me. And so I, I do constantly do them, but, but, uh, uh, the artistic side has to come out or I get antsy. I have to, I'm starting to add some stuff because I don't want to also get into the trap of, because you see sometimes these beautifully, crazily carved things and they don't sell, you know? Um, So I want to walk that line, but I, you know, I'm starting to do some of the kind of chip carve or weird uh, kind of organic patterns and stuff that I do. I'm starting Mm -hmm. to add that to a few pieces and make a couple of statement pieces and put them up. But, but like, I like to take a thing that's like technical or hard and learn how to do it and try to execute it as good as I can and then do something a little crazy and then kind of go back and forth. So take a little, take a little riff on the, uh, on, on the original and play with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you find, I guess the same thing would be with pipes as with tattoos, where if you're, if somebody comes to you with a tattoo design and you're just not that interested in it, that it's just kind of all work and no play and, and the same thing with a pipe where it wouldn't be as much fun for you to make it. Yeah. But with the pipe, it's different because a lot of that traditional stuff is a challenge. So I like that part of it, that aspect of it, trying to get it as, as correct and perfect as I can. Yeah. And with tattoos or <laughs> I, I just want to, I want to deviate to tattoos for a little bit. Are there mm-hmm. some really dumb things that people have asked you to do? Oh yeah. Lots of, lots and lots Lots and lots. But I mean, what's dumb to me, the thing of it is, is I I always think that uh, what another person wants to have on their body, that's how am I to tell them it's dumb? If they want Yosemite Sam, maybe Yosemite Sam means something to them. Maybe their grandpa and them watch, you know, who knows? So I I don't, if I think it's going to make their life worse, I won't do it. And I'll tell them why. And I'll be nice about it. Like if they want a face tattoo, I'm like, I'm not not doing that to you because it's going to make your life hard. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I should be making your life better with what I do should make them feel prettier or cooler or t- whatever they came in to feel. They should leave feeling that 
And if I don't do that, I didn't do my job. But if they come in and they want, you know, a face thing or, or, or the first tattoo to be their hands, I'm like, you don't know what that's going to do to your life. And you shouldn't, you know, so, so that's kind of the only line I draw. I also won't do anything like, you know, racist or, sure, you know, I don't do any, I don't do any gang stuff. No, no, uh, no racist prejudice or uh, gang related or I killed Joe or uh, exactly. Have you, uh, have you had the thrill and excitement of tattooing on very personal parts? It's not really much of a thrill, but yeah, I've had to fairly personal, personal ish. I draw a line too. So, you know, that yeah, I I don't go too far with that stuff. I'm not, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) yeah as long as the bikini underwear don't have to come off gray's fine we're good yeah yeah Yeah. i don't want a snake coming out of there um so the goal with i mean the goal with pipe making now is to continue to learn and and enjoy and explore and get better yeah i mean we're gonna uh, johnny and i are gonna hopefully get to do some training with a few people in the next year or two get to go and check out a few other workshops and learn from some people and get better and better and just keep working on it. Like last year I got some feedback. Um, uh, I got some feedback last year on buttons because I only brought a couple, I didn't have a table or anything last year. I brought a couple pipes to kind of show, Hey, I'm a pipe maker and I want to learn and blah, 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 blah. And I got a little feedback on buttons. So this whole last year I obsessed over buttons. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw any of the pipes on my table, but the buttons are, are vastly different than they were a year ago. I've seen pipe makers who have gone for three, four, five years and then finally have developed their button and stem style. And they're like, okay, now I've, you know, now I'm finally here. Um, and then they'll all say, yeah, it took me longer to do the stem than it did to make for me to do the pipe. Yeah. And I'm, I probably will still be obsessing over little tiny ends of a <laughs> on buttons and, and, the funneling and I'll probably continue to for yeah. who knows how long I don't think I'll ever be there. Uh, if it helps you for me personally, I like the top button to be about a millimeter higher than the bottom button. And it makes it hook into my weird teeth a little easier. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, um, but that's a little, I kind of like bigger buttons, honestly, than smaller buttons. The, as long as the bite zone small, I kind of like bigger buttons. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes it easier as I'm we're we're doing this on video, so it makes it easier to hook into the teeth without having to clamp down on the stem so far. Uh, yeah, but you start picking that stuff up. Uh, tobacco wise, personally for you, did you? Uh, I'm assuming you went around the aromatics and the Englishes and and uh, and explored all different kinds of tobaccos. I very quickly did not like aromatics very much there's only a couple that i like um i I don't i don't hate on them some lots of people love them um Mm -hmm. and there's a couple that i like sometimes but i i much more prefer englishes and sometimes virginias and the englishier the better the you know the smokier the better (laughs) so 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 the more latakia the better for you i actually saw a review somebody put i don't know what website it was on but it was reviewing pirate cake and they said, uh, they said, um, it's like falling face first into a wet campfire with a mouthful of charcoal. And I was like, oh, that's for me then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll order several tins of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
so where can we go to see your pipes and to see your art and and all that stuff? Do you have a f- Instagram and uh, Facebook and all that junk? Yeah. So the Instagram for uh, for for the pipes is Van Kylenberg Pipes on Instagram, and then uh, I, I believe that the art thing is at uh, Gray Van K at Instagram. Um. And, uh, yeah, they're, I think they're linked to each other. That's most of my art stuff. And then for tattooing stuff, you'd go to deep blue tattoos. So you got all kinds of uh, socials going. Yeah. Well, that the, the, all, all my tattoo stuff, uh, goes onto the shop website. Cause my, my buddy has, and I, well, my buddy has run that shop forever and I've worked for him for ever at that tattoo shop. So any tattooing related thing, I only put on the shop website. I don't have it as my own thing. It's on the shop website with everybody else's. And there's a great crew of guys that work there and everybody's great there. And, uh, Jay's wife, Miss Gina, who runs it with, a, with him, uh, they're just great people. So, so for the pipes, it's V A N K U I L E N B U R G pipes, Van Kylenberg pipes. Um, mm-hmm. have, have you ever tattooed anybody famous? Uh, yeah, a couple people. Anybody you're allowed to say? Uh, well, you know that you got, uh, it, yeah, I've tattooed a few people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, hanging out with bands, especially and, and uh, stuff like that. So, well, that works. Uh, how do you do with animation art tattoos? I, I'm just asking for a friend. Uh, great. Love them. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, li- I like that stuff. It's a lot of fun. I, mean, I like the only thing I have a hard time with is traditional because I tend to overwork it. That kind of sailor Jerry type stuff, which is a cool thing. And it's a very uh, a cool part of the art form. It's just you have to like the shading has to be incorrect and the color has to kind of be a specific way. And I tend to overwork it. I tend to shade it. My brain wants to make it realism all the time. So I, I tend to overwork traditional. But cartoon stuff is fun and easy i can do that animate fun like all that stuff so where do your pipes start out at price wise and and of course this is as of uh where are we uh, fall of 2023 um mainly around 300 I, I had a couple at the show that were like 250 275 um but i'll probably i mean as much time as I put into them, probably 300 is where I should start. And then who knows where they'll go up to eventually. Uh, but that's a good starting price for a handmade pipe. I feel 300 bucks. Are you doing stems from, uh, from, uh, from yes. rod stock or whatever the, whatever the yeah, rod hand is? Cut. Yeah. Yeah. So you're hand, hand cutting the stems, you're buying briar and starting to stockpile and age it and yeah. And do all that yeah. stuff. And I have a few pieces left over from uh, Tinderbox when we went when we were cleaning out Ed's house. Oh. Uh, there was some briar in a closet there that was his old wood that was old in the '60s, uh, and I have wow. 24 pieces of that. Um, that uh, and and Leo says there's a little bit more that he's going to give me, but I mean, whenever I whenever I get to see Leo, and I don't know, but but I I, I have a few pieces of that, and it's really light and really old. Um, at the last couple of years at the tinderbox, they I only they paid me that instead of money for doing repairs and stuff. I, I yeah. got paid in briars. So. Uh, that briar may be worth way more than money. 
Um, I love that briar. It's I, I have a whole like a half a milk crate of it over here. So when you said lighter, can you you can noticeably tell that it's lighter weight yes. than the than the current stuff you're able to buy? There's this block right here. I uh, I gave this one to Johnny, and he drilled it, and it's just a drilled block. You can see it. Yeah, and it's lighter than a lot of pipes. <laughs> it's been sitting and sitting and aging for 50, 60 years in the semi-arid yeah. climbs of the uh, tinderbox. Yeah, well, this was Ed's house actually. This prior oh. was. That's probably, but yeah, it's it's old. Yes, yeah, that's probably better for it because Ed would Ed. If I remember correctly, Ed wasn't a fan of air conditioning at the store too much, but but at the house probably a lot more. Probably, I don't know. It was never on when we were there, but it was, the house was pretty old. I, I, yeah. they, they sold it, I think. Now the house isn't there, or they've sold it, I think. So yeah, uh, a ways back, I worked with uh, Ed's uh, with with one of Ed's daughter in laws. So I uh, got to hear some Ed Culpin stories and. Uh, he, he was much nicer to his customers than sometimes he was with his family. <laughs> was it Jeanette? Yeah. Yeah, I love Jeanette. So Jeanette uh, also was running the tinderbox with Leo. Yeah. Yeah, and I, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah, priceless. Um, so now the goal is uh, how many pipes of how many pipes a month do you think you're able to make, or is it hard to say because of your schedule? It, my schedule, it depends. So I go up, I go back and forth from uh, L.A. because my girlfriend's down here and the workshop's down here that Johnny set up for us. And uh, I go uh, up and tattoo up north. So I'll go up north a few weeks at a time, and then I come down here a few weeks at a time. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, a few a year. I don't know how many a year right now. <laughs> Maybe 20 or 30 a year right now. So um, If I get more orders, I'll do more. Um uh, pressure is good for me to get things done. Like when we were getting ready for the show, I think I finished like 10 buttons and uh, did a bunch of finishing on a bunch of pipes all in like two days or three days. <laughs> <laughs> like I was still working. I was trying, like I've got like a few uh, pipes over here. Like I was working on, I was hoping to get done. Like I've got this kind of very large 55 I was working on and this, uh, this oh. blowfish I was working on. So Gray is now showing me one of the best pieces of cross grain I've seen in a long time. Uh, but I couldn't get a bit that I thought was pretty enough for it. Um, and so I, I didn't finish it. And so then at the last minute, I wound up just uh, just finishing all the stuff that was... I was like, I'll finish this and then I'll, I'll, I'll do those buttons, buttons in the last couple of days. And it just kept getting later and later. So I did it all. <laughs> I stayed here like overnight till 10 the next morning. And then poor Johnny had to drive most of the way from Vegas with me half asleep in the truck <laughs> or completely asleep in the truck, probably. Which might've been good for him after all that time together. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I love hanging out with Johnny. He's a, he's, yeah. he's a barrel of monkeys dude. That guy's great. I love that guy. <laughs> Yeah, and you two make such an impression on the show because uh, you know you guys with your hair and and all that, and the and then again the uh, the little the, the Letterman's jackets that you had made that matched with the with the lime green or neon green sleeves. So. Well, I mean that's neon green's my favorite color. I put I got neon green everything, and Johnny's is purple. So everything of his is purple, and everything of mine's neon green. So there you go. 
Gray, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe? Yep. Oh, uh, that I own, you mean? Just whatever your answer is. Um, I, I really like like pokers, and I really like umpals, uh, and I have... I have an, uh, I have a few really old pipes that I really like, but I mean I would say pokers and umpals are kind of my favorites, uh, shape wise. And what is your favorite tobacco? Mystic. It's a uh, well I, the original Mystic. I, I, the new stuff's great too, but the I, it's a uh, Captain Earl's blend. Okay, yeah. And it's my it's always been my favorite. What is your favorite drink? Coffee or Pepsi. There you go. Simple, simple caffeine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and lots of it. <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Yes. <laughs> those three things all, depending on my mood, I, I like all those things. All three at the same time, while smoking a pipe. Definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I read a lot, and I, I listen to music a lot, and I... Relaxing a lot of the time is in here, like the workshop, yeah. music or a TV show in the background or a movie in the background, and I'm doing stuff with my hands. And then fa uh, finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Uh, the convention is great. Uh, it, it, smoking too many pipes, but it's this year I didn't even burn myself completely out. Last year, uh, I, you know, by the end of it, I was like, I don't even want to look at a pipe for three days. I was just, you know. <laughs> But this time it was just all pleasant the whole time, and and uh, it was just great. I, all the people that we meet at those, it, it's great. There's I, I haven't met a single person that I was like, ugh, where did that guy come yeah. from? Or you know, what I mean? nobody. Everybody has been so nice that we've met at those conventions. It's it's really a a, a nice thing, and I've stayed in touch with some of them since since the convention. Uh, it's it's been really great. Do you think it was a little easier because you had a table this year, so you didn't have the freedom to? to sit down and puff a pipe anytime you wanted to yeah maybe but i also i mean i smoked at the table yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah but then you're talking to people it's not like you're sitting at a round table with you know five other people and just puffing away while the conversation works around yeah yeah that, i guess that is probably different you're probably right yeah probably that was a lot of talking to people at the table that was the table. it was really fun having a table it was very different trying to figure out how we're going to make the table look and plan the table out and put stuff <laughs> on it and try to make it entertaining to look at and uh, get to visit with people. Getting to meet Tom Eltang was really great. Uh, hanging out with uh, Nate and Greg and um, just all that stuff. It was all really great. Uh, Sally, she's great. Um, just everybody. Every, uh, talking to Dave was really great. Every, you. you. Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, you were busy setting off the fire alarm, you know, I didn't set it <laughs> off. I was hiding in the corner when it went off. It wasn't me. Um, but no, it's like, I've always said, yeah, I've been in this industry and hobby now for 27 years. And I think there's four or five people that I know that I wouldn't want to sit at a table with. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so. really uncommon. Yeah. And the other thing about pipe smoking is just hanging out with Johnny and, and being in the workshop. 
doesn't get any better. Quiet. It's your little fortress of solitude. It is. It's great. Yeah. So check them out on uh, Instagram, Van Kylenberg Pipes, V-A-N-K-U-I-L-E-N-B-U-R-G Pipes. Great. Thank you very much for coming on and doing this. And, you know, thanks for coming to the show and being a, uh, I mean, just seeing the, seeing the guitar and the bass standing up there on the table was just really cool. So we, we appreciate that greatly. Thank you, brother. Thanks for looking. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I, I think Gray was the third or fourth uh, tattoo artist that has uh, made the crossover into uh, making some pipes. Um, and I, I think it's all it's always fascinating to me at how an artist from one medium uh, switches over to a different medium and how they uh, and how they how they use that talent. So, all right, for music, we have uh, thanks to Dino pointing me in this direction. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> we have Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff and Vincent Price singing a song, and this is. Uh, special for halloween um i'm not sure if if we're going to like this but we are uh, but we're gonna have it anyway um this goes back to it's got to be the 1940s 1950s so here you go how do you like that the horror men turn out to be crooners Ghosty sing. Horrible, 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 horrible men. Horrible, horrible men. We're killing us, killing us, treacherous, 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 us, be paid. We're oh, horrible, 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 men. horrible, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Vincent Price. Somewhere over the rainbow, birds fly. Birds fly over the rainbow. 
Boris Karloff, Vincent Price, all three greats known for horror movies. <laughs> One singing Over the Rainbow, slightly scary version. And all three of them, former pipe smokers. What in the hell? You've got mail. And remember, mailbag comments or questions can be emailed to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. That's the best way to get them to me. Uh, or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. Uh, remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time here in the good old U.S. of A. And uh, then they're available for streaming and downloading and all that, uh, all that fancy stuff for eternity, including all 580 past shows. If you are new to the show, please make sure you are keeping current with the shows and uh, you know, then getting caught up on the back episodes as we go. Uh, that is the best way to stay up to date because you'll hear things like, uh, like this. If you attended the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show this past October, well, you know, really three weeks ago or two weeks ago now, uh, keep an eye out for an email. Uh, rooms and tables and stuff like that will be going available. And then I'll also let you know when, the, uh, when they're ready for the public. Uh, so keep an eye out. Listen here. Uh, so just remember that. All right. So going back to last week's show uh, with, uh, with my partner in crime, Dave Peterson. Dino says, a wonderfully detailed Vegas report with an enlightening, uh, enlightening in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to run a pipe show. Congratulations to Dave and you and all your volunteers. Uh, Ghost in the House with Allison Krauss was poignant yet quite lovely. Nice shout-outs to those who chronicled the Vegas show. Thanks for another informative and fun show, Dino. Dino, you're welcome. And uh, Casey Ghost says... If reference to comments on shows, uh, in reference to comments on show staff, uh, the ones you don't see are the ones doing the bulk of the work. The ones that are facing the public are usually people who just talk up the show. Talking is easier than working, but a damn slight more exasperating. Setting up your show must have been time consuming as it could be. 
a nice setup you had for collectors. Uh, I thought it was nice of you and Dave to bring collections to the show. Of course, if Dave had brought all the Costellos he has, you would have probably needed another room. Uh, your Sato collection is very nice also. Uh, you had a lot of countries at the show, and I'm sure all the Texicans appreciated being mentioned separately. <laughs> a little mixed feelings towards the ghost song. I realized that in uh, that to most of the public, Allison's soprano is clear as a bell, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't work for me. It did sound like Jerry Douglas on the Dobro, and any record that has him is usually good. Good job on the show. Thank you, Dan. Uh, and then a couple more comments uh, as I'm scrolling through. There it is. Uh, JB Frady said, I was happy to hear the origin stories of the events on Sung Hero. Uh, on several occasions at the show, I found myself floored by his genuine excitement to get people involved and make them feel welcome. That's the kind of excitement that can't be faked, and it shows. You can only put on an event like that if you love what you do. Yeah. Yeah, and Dave loves what he does, too. Uh, Renfield says, I didn't make it to the Las Vegas show, but judging from the pictures and the smiling faces, it was a good one. Congrats to Brian and Dave. Uh, Dave was a great guest who seems to have the humility, the real doers share. I really enjoyed hearing him talk about the show. Excellent music. Allison Krauss has the voice of an angel and is a great fiddle player to boot. And uh, Lord of the Pipe Rings, better known as Brad Hochter, said a big thank you as an order for Brian and Dave for putting on the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. We appreciate all the time and work you both put into it. The 2023 show seemed to have a theme of camaraderie. This show felt more about the people seeing old friends and getting to make new friends. Sometimes you don't know how much you need that until it happens. I had a great time at the show and can't wait for next year's. Dan, thanks for your help, Brad. Uh, and then uh, Jess wrote, uh, I'd like to point out that Allison Krauss does not use auto-tune, as it seems almost a majority of new pop out there does. It is a wonderful example of how a naturally talented vocalist can give you chills with their skilled and practiced instrument, all without the help of tons of compression and pitch-regulating technology. So beautiful and so alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, we saw a concert uh, over the weekend, and there was a rapper that was one of the openers that I'd never heard of before, and he didn't even have a band out there. He was just rapping to his own backup track. Anyway, uh, going back a couple weeks, Steve Davenport writes, a great interview with Reed Robertson, was surprised to learn that we grew up about 15 miles apart, and both of us went to Furman U University, go Paladins, uh, probably 18 to 20 years apart. Glad to hear that there were other pipe-smoking faculty other than the one of my geology professors. We'll definitely be checking out his pipes. Uh, you all have fun in Vegas. Wish I could be there this year. Yeah, Steve was there last year, and we missed you. And then finally, uh, this comes in from uh, Sam, a.k.a. the Nervous Bandad, and it goes back a couple weeks, and he says... Uh, sitting at the UIL area high school band competition for the North for Northeast Texas area, waiting for finals to start the top four bands out of the 10 that made it this far will advance to the state competition. It reminded me of your interview with Tom Kuhn on episode 577. And yes, the competition is fierce. 
most usually the top four bands in Texas for 4A schools all come from this area. This is our fourth and last band kiddo, and we have never advanced past this point. Maybe tonight is the night. Keep up the good work, and thanks for all you do for the pipe community, Sam. Uh, you're welcome. And then he replied back that they didn't make it because, yeah, marching band competition in Texas. Wow. Yeah. And Friday night football in Texas. Yeah. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Watch for those uh, emails on the Las Vegas International Pipe Show and keep an eye on the website as well. Uh, if you have a chance, Apple podcast ratings and reviews are much, much, much appreciated as well as those over on Spotify. And in just a minute, before I go get dressed up to be all scary, is a rant. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe swears it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting? You add your corncob pipe at relax. Party time. Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tidbits.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction site. Let me put it this way. Uh, the sphere in Las Vegas is not for me. Nope, never going to do it again. One and done. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the sphere in Las Vegas is a, a dome or a ball-shaped um, entertainment venue. And it's got full LED screens on the outside, and it does cool little designs on the outside. And here's my suggestion to you. Uh, save yourself some money. Find yourself a spot where you can look and see what it's doing from the outside at night. And screw having to pay to get into the place. All right. So here's our experience. We uh, we paid for tickets for their uh, for their movie, not the not the U2 concert, just the movie. And the movie, and we were supposed to go in doors open at 4:30. Movie was going to start at 5:30. First hour was going to be spent seeing the Sphere experience. And we waited in line at 4:15. Big long line. Took a while to get in. By the time we got in, there was a whole big bunch of lines for the little Sphere experience things, including, you know, making some uh, making some avatar of you and watching uh, some robots do stuff or animatronics do stuff. Uh, the funny part was we wanted to get a uh, wanted to get a, a diet coke and a bottle of water, and we had to stand in line for the automated payment, you know, the self pay place. And there was three employees working it, three employees working a self pay register, 
and you just walked by. <laughs> anyway, it would have been faster if you just had two employees working a register and they and they got the stuff for you. Uh, but then there was lines to get up the elevator or up the escalators to go up to your area because they forgot to reverse all the escalators and have them all running in one direction. Uh, no, so there was a line for that. Then you get into the theater and the movie. Well, I'll just sum it up to say uh, the movie is an overworked, drawn-out thing that had a couple of really cool special effects moments or visual effects because of the sphere. But was it worth the almost, I don't know, $180 for the two of us to go see it? Nope, one and done, and if the sphere doesn't get their shit together, I think it'll be a big empty ball or look like a big pimple right there on the Las Vegas Strip. So uh, if you're going to Vegas and you're thinking about the sphere, save your money. Uh, go to In-N-Out Burger and stand on a bridge where you can see the sphere and watch it from the outside. you have much more fun. All right. Uh, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Remember, keep sharing out the pipes magazine radio show with your friends and family and, uh, listen to all the other podcasts that are coming out now with uh, reviews of the Las Vegas international pipe show. Thank you very much to gray for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Beatle Paul McCartney now has a brand new musical group. Is it called Wings? Beaks or tail feathers? Can I hear some music? Because then I won't be able to tell. <laughs> Wings, Wings, beaks, or tail feathers. Paul McCartney's brand new, new musical group. group. Well, I would think at this point of his career, it would probably be called tail feathers.